Hey friend, last week we talked about crushing mom guilt and it was so good. And this week we're diving into six of the most common lies that moms believe with author Rebecca Hargraves. She wrote a book called The Lies Moms Believe and How the Gospel Refutes Them. I know, sounds so good, right? Well, it is. And Rebecca was so kind. She found me on Instagram and asked to be on the show and share her book. And I was so excited to have her. And then when she found out that next week is our 100th episode, she wanted to contribute a copy of her book and the devotional to be part of our giveaway that we are doing. Which brings me to the next point. Follow me at Java with Jen on Instagram so you can participate in the giveaway where I'm going to be giving away $100 worth of merch and coffee as well as her books to celebrate our 100th episode. This is a good one. I'm super excited. And next week, we're going to party. Let's jump in. Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. You guys, thanks so much for joining me today at Java with Jen. I have another very exciting episode. And I say exciting because I particularly love when the Lord orchestrates episodes for me. It is such a blessing. It takes a load off. And so last week we talked about chasing off the mom guilt and how to deal with mom guilt, crushing it and getting rid of it. Well, then I heard from this lovely young woman on Instagram who is an author and she contacted me about a book she's written, The Lies That Mothers Believe and How the Gospel Refutes Them. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's perfect after last week. And so I was like, can you record like tomorrow? (laughs) And she was so ready and willing to jump in. And so Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I'm super excited for what you've brought to the, to the table today. Well, thank you for having me. This is going to be so fun. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Good. Well, we're so glad to have you. So let me let you guys know a little bit about Rebecca. She is actually quite the expert and she's a wife and she's a mama of two. She's a blogger also a podcaster, and she is a speaker and an author whose passion is to edify, equip, and encourage women in their journey of biblical womanhood, particularly with an emphasis on the gospel and its implications for everyday life. Her first book, Lies Moms Believe and How the Gospel Refutes Them, was released in the fall of 2017, and the Lies Moms Believe Companion Bible Study came out in March of 2018. You can find Rebecca on her website, which is Hargraves Home and Hearth, on Instagram or on iTunes via the Home and Hearth podcast. So that's a lot of contact stuff. I'm going to put it in the show notes. So if you guys want to go find her via her blog, via her podcast, or on Instagram, you can go check her out. And it won't be hard to get a hold of her. So Rebecca, I'm excited, man. That's quite a, quite a title lies moms believe and how the gospel refutes them. It totally got my attention when you messaged me. I love it. That's awesome. Yay. <laughs> I hope it's, it was hard coming up with the title. I was trying to think like alliteration, like motherhood misconceptions and thing. And that just is way too clunky. So <laughs> it took a little bit of time to arrive at the title. <laughs> well, I love it. It actually reminded me of another book that I've been meaning to read for years, which is like 10 lies women believe about the church or something Ooh. like that. Or 10 I've lies. I've heard of that. Oh yeah. And it sounds, it sounds like, really good. Yeah. It sounds really good. So there's my little plug for another book, but anyways, awesome. so You guys, we don't have a lot of time because Zoom has put a time limit on us, but I want to dive right into the deep stuff that she brings to the table here. Last week, since we talked about mom guilt, um, why don't you, Rebecca, tell us really briefly, like, how did you come to this topic of this book? Obviously, the content's going to be really rich, and we're going to dive into that, but knowing the backstory really kind of helps us appreciate it more. I love talking about this because I feel like it's just such a clear testament to the Lord and his involvement and how, you know, his plans are different (laughs) oftentimes than ours, but I think they're better. Um, So the idea originally was that I had just, I was doing a lot of blogging at the time, hadn't written any books yet. And so the idea came to my mind that, you know, I am going to write a blog post on lies that we as moms believe, and I'm just going to try to, you know, apply scripture to them and hopefully be encouraging and kind of break us, you know, free of some of those lies. And so that was my plan. And literally the day I finally sit down a couple days later, I finally sit down to work on the blog post Mm -hmm. and I just out of nowhere, right. (laughs) With air quotes out of nowhere, um, thought, you know, 
maybe just take a quick second, go on Instagram, go on Facebook and just see if there are, are moms that are willing to share with you, like other lies that they're struggling with, um, that they need help with, you know, in an effort to try to make this blog post as helpful as, as it can be. And so I'm thinking there's only going to be a few responses, but that's really, that's fine. You know, that's all I really have space for in a blog post. And I was blown away because within 10 minutes, there are all these comments out of nowhere starting to pour in on both platforms. And I'm thinking, okay, I wasn't expecting this. And next, the next 24 hours, like there's more and there's more. And so finally I was thinking, well, initially when I got a lot of responses, even before a whole day had gone by, I thought, okay, well, this is probably not going to be able to be a blog post anymore. (laughs) Nobody's going to sit and read this really lengthy blog post. So maybe I turn it into just like a freebie ebook, you know, longer than a blog post, but just still fairly short. And so, but by the time those 24 hours did come and go, I'm thinking if I'm going to address all of this, if I'm going to try to help all of these moms, I, I can't keep it short. Like I, there's too much here. And so to make a long story short, it ended up being a book that's over 200 pages and addresses 32 lies. And like, I just, I, I see it on my shelf and I just like, it's a testament to God. And I, I love to walk by and glance at it because it's, it's totally the Lord. And, you know, I had a different book idea in mind that I wanted to write on. It was not this one. (laughs) This is not going to be a book. Um, and yeah, it was just the Lord. And I could just see like moms are struggling. We are believing lies. Like I knew I had been believing lies, but I didn't realize that I wasn't the only one that other moms are struggling in those ways as well. Even if they're different lies, we're still struggling with various lies. And so, yeah, the Lord had a different plan and I'm grateful that he did because it was above and beyond anything that I had planned myself. <laughs> so amazing. Well, I just love, I feel like, and I even kind of said it when I was praying for the episode earlier is that like, I, the fact that last week I was praying, God, what do I do for the episode? Who do you want to speak to? What should this content be? And he totally coordinated my guest last week. And we talked about mom guilt. And then this week I was like, Lord, this episode 99, what do I cover from the last <laughs> monumental episode before I hit a hundred, you know? Yeah. And, and then he coordinated you and it tagged on last week. I was like, I'm seeing a pattern here. Like moms are on God's heart, you know, like moms are literally on God's heart. And, um, and I've had other moms reach out recently asking me like, how do I balance it all? How do I have time for the Lord? How do I this? And at the bottom of it, there's just all these lies that we do carry that weigh us down and limit us. And, um, and we're going to get into some of those right here, but all of you guys, listen, if you already are like, Oh, I can tell this is for me. I want you to really consider getting Rebecca's book and even her devotional. If it's something you want to really dive into, um, I've been seeing a lot of personal growth in myself and in my children by tackling intentionally lies that we believe like intentionally and I'll sit my kids down you guys have heard me talk about it and we'll do an exercise like okay God what lies am I believing about myself and then you wait and listen and write them down okay God what is the truth and then you write them down and I was telling my son the other day like at the bottom of a successful life and the only thing that really limits us in life is when we believe lies. And that's why I was trying to help him understand why we're so careful what they watch and listen to. And I was like, buddy, the lies that you can take on from even just a song or just a wrong show can limit your life. And so this topic of identifying lies seems to really be in the air. So let's dive into this first one, which is first lie moms often believe is I have to be a perfect mom. And I think in our heads, we, t- we understand, no, of course I'm not going to be perfect, blah, blah, blah. But in our hearts, we feel like we need to be perfect. So speak to that. How do you see that in the gospel? Yeah, I struggled with that so much. I was one of those kids who loved, you know, loved babies, always wanted to be a mom. I nannied every chance I got nannied for a family up until the day before I had my first child. I mean, so I was like (laughs) surrounded by kids all the time. thought that, you know what, this is all I've ever wanted was to be a mom. Like I'm going to be so good at this. And then I became one myself and was taking care of my own baby and not someone else's. And it hit me. Oh my goodness. Like I thought I was a more patient person. I thought I would enjoy this more. I thought, I was just going to be kind and gracious and soft-spoken and fun and, you know, (laughs) intentional and all the things. And I wasn't. And it hit me hard when I realized that because I just was convinced I was going to be so good at this. And 
it, for a long time, it was very debilitating because I would let that, that failure on my part, you know, as I saw it to really just get me in this place of I'm ruining my children. My kids would be better off if God had given them to somebody else. Like surely there's another mom out there who's kinder and more patient and less selfish. And, you know, they would be better with her because I'm harming my children. You know, surely I'm harming them forever and ever because I struggle with, you know, impatience or imperfections. (laughs) And so for a long time, you know, I knew the verse Romans 8, 1 that says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But the problem was, I think I just did not read it in context, literally until I was working on this content for this book. And that's the thing. I wrote this book with the desire to be encouraging to other moms. But what the Lord did in his grace and his kindness is he used it for me. Mm. And he used the process of pouring over his word in order to even be able to refute these lies. He used it to free me. And I will forever be grateful for that because I'm not the mom I, I was before I wrote it, you know, that I've been since I wrote it and I'm not perfect still, obviously. Um, but there's a freedom now. Cause it's not about being perfect. That's the thing. It's, it's not about being a perfect mom. It's about pointing your kids to that perfect savior. Because when I backed up and I read the end of Romans seven, it blew me away because I was familiar with the passage where Paul is lamenting what a sinner he is. You know, he's like, I'm not doing those things that I know I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm doing those things I'm not supposed to be doing. I knew about that. And I knew about Romans eight, one, what I didn't realize was that they're, they're combined. They're together. Mm -hmm. And he says, what a wretched man that I am, but there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Mm -hmm. And that changed everything for me. You know, I used to think the gospel just applied to my eternity, that it just affected where I would end up, you know, and, and this in the here and now I'm just kind of left to my own, but no, the gospel applies to the here and now, because it's the truths of the gospel that then I can apply to my mothering. I can say, you know what? It's not about being perfect. That's why Jesus came. (laughs) If I know that he came because I'm imperfect, then surely he's not suddenly expecting me to be perfect. Yeah. As a mom, right. It's, yeah. it's that, that, that guilt, that shame, that sin, it was nailed to the cross. It was removed from us as far as the East is from the West. It changes everything. You, you suddenly have so much more peace. You have more rest. You have more freedom mm-hmm. when you know that you don't have to be perfect. And I'll tell you, Jen, honestly, mm-hmm. it's, you know, we don't sin so that grace may abound certainly, But I will tell you at the same time that the Lord has so graciously used those moments when I have lost my temper or when I have, you know, done some, said something I shouldn't have said. And I've gone to my kids and apologized and prayed with them. It has been in those moments that I've seen them grasp the gospel. I've seen it begin to like connect the dots, you know, in their minds. My daughter was three when I was first starting, um, writing this book and we had a really bad day, really, really, really bad day. And I'm hollering at her. She's hollering at me. And I mean, I don't know what, what was in the air, but we're letting each other have it. You know, <laughs> like I would go to her, I would apologize. I would pray with her. This kept happening all day. Mm. That afternoon, I am beside myself. I'm like, I've done the things I've apologized. I've prayed. Like, I'm so frustrated, right? I go to her to apologize again. She takes my hand says, mama, I pray. I said, okay, I will never forget it. She says, dear Jesus, thank you that you forgive mommy even when she's not very nice. And it like, I mean, I could almost tear up today. This is four years ago because I realized, yeah, it's not great that I yelled at my daughter. It's not, but guess what? At three years old, because of what happened, God in his grace used it to show her just how forgiving he is Mm. and that it's not based on our merit. It's based on his goodness and his forgiveness that he forgives mommy when she's not very nice. Yes. Oh, that's so beautiful. I just love that. Oh, I love it when our kids, it's so mind blowing because we feel like our job is to teach our kids. And yet because they're so simple and pure, they grasp these concepts that we struggle to get revelation of. But in those little moments, they're like, here, let me unfold the gospel for you. Right? Exactly. (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh, the spirit of God does live in you, doesn't he? It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, we can tell them all day long that that they need Jesus. But I think it's really powerful for them to see us need Jesus. And it's not just, oh, well, you have sin. It's okay. Well, you know what? Mama's not perfect either, but it's okay. Not that we excuse it, but it's okay because, and then the gospel, you know, and yeah, it's. 
it's powerful. It gives so much hope because we're all going to have those moments, but mm -hmm. it gives so much hope to know that the Lord's in those moments and he's redeeming them and he's using them. It's so true. And they need those moments. They need to see yeah. our imperfections because a perfect mom is not going to be able to teach their children how to live life. Because exactly. the reality is you have an imperfect child growing into an imperfect mom. And if they yeah. never see how you deal with your imperfection, they're never going to know how to deal with theirs, you know, exactly. exactly. That's so powerful. Well, I thought it was interesting and worth noting that when you were dealing with that lie of, oh, I need to be a perfect mom. It immediately stacked with other lies. Mm -hmm. Like maybe they would have, surely they would have been better with another mom. And, you know, surely there's a better way to do this and did it all these other lies that you listed off. And I think one that it kind of led to was like, I'm responsible for my kid's happiness, you know? And like, if I'm not a perfect mom, my kid won't be happy because I'm just going to screw them all up. And I, I remember when I was younger saying, and I, I had to repent and break the curse uh, that I had spoken over myself, not realizing that I said, I don't want to be a mom because I'll just screw up my kids. Mm. Why would I even think that? You know what I mean? But I think in our insecurity and in our humanity, we, and in the enemy, just trying to see things, he knows that I'm raising world changers. He knows exactly. that all four of my kids are anointed to bring the gospel into the earth. And so he was starting from a young age to try to seed into me lies that would chase me off of my calling, right? As a mother. And so speak to that lie that I'm responsible for my child's happiness or how they turn out. Speak to that. Cause a lot of moms would say, well, of course I'm responsible for that. You know, well, how is yeah. that a lie? That can be a very debilitating one, you know, cause we think, okay, I'm responsible for how they turn out, how they are as adults is reflective on the job that I did. I clearly dropped the ball if they end up in prison, you know, like we all just have like all these thoughts, you know, and yeah. And so it's something that I, I mean, my oldest is seven, so I've not, you know, been at this for a super long time, but I have still had those thoughts, even though they're so little. And it's, it's very debilitating sometimes because you think, okay, well, we do have responsibilities. There are, you know, those, those callings that we have, we're to share God's word as we lay down, as we rise up, you know, as Deuteronomy kind of talks about, we're to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, train them in the way they should go. You know, like we know that we do have some responsibilities, but it took me a while to start to realize I do have responsibilities, but the fruit, the end result all of that, that's not my responsibility. I'm supposed to be faithful, absolutely, to train them, to share God's word with them. That is absolutely my responsibility. And I need to be careful not to, to drop the ball on that. There's grace, again, <laughs> the gospel. But, you know, I need to be intentional by God's grace and with his help. But what that results in is not on our shoulders. Yeah. It feels like it, but it's not. You know, I'm reminded of when Paul talks about, you know, he plants the seed. Apollos watered it, but God gave the increase. Yeah. And so I think it applies so well to motherhood because we do need to plant the seed. We, we need to share God's word with our kids. That's the life giving <laughs> word of God. Like that's what they need, but that's planting the seed. That's our responsibility. Mm -hmm. But then the Lord brings around our church. He brings around friends. He brings around family. He brings around coworkers, whatever it is, as our kids are growing up to, to water it. And ultimately it's the Lord then that gives the increase. Yeah. And so if we're sharing God's word, we can rest in that. Now it may be painful to see our kids go down a path that we really don't want them to go down, yeah. but the Lord's in that he's with them. Yeah. He's, he's working. And that is not our responsibility. Our responsibility is just to be faithful and we're going to be imperfect at it, but, but that's what we're called to. We're not called to be burdened down with the end result yeah. because you know, growing up in, um, I was homeschooled. I, you know, in church every week, like, I mean, just steeped in all of that. And I'll tell you there growing up, there were families that on the outside would think you would think, well, even on the inside, in a sense, you think, oh, they're going to end up with, with nearly perfect kids. You know, they're doing all the right things. They're intentional. They're in church. Like it's amazing. Look at them. And as those kids and myself got older, there were some that absolutely continued on along that path that you would would figure and there were others that just didn't mm -hmm. and to this day they're not in church they do not profess to be believers they're going down a very different path 
but that can't be placed at the feet of their parents because they were sharing God's word with them. Those kids, our kids, all of our kids, the kind of the scary thing sometimes is to realize like they've got free will, like they are responsible for their decisions. And that can be hard as a mom. You want to protect them. You don't want anything bad to happen, but it's true. They are going to make their decisions and their walk as they become adults, that's between them and God and God is working and they are going to have to make those choices and and walk with him. Um, but, but that cannot be put on us. We are not the Holy spirit. We cannot force a child to go down a right path. We can't, you know, force them to place saving faith in Christ. That's not in our power. And when the enemy tries to make us think it is, it's so burdensome. Mm -hmm. It's so burdensome. But the good news is that the Lord never meant for that burden to be on our shoulders. Yeah, that's really good. I love that because it's true. I've I've found that even in moments of parenting that if the boys would behave and I'd react really angry, really fast, I would step back and ask myself like, God, why the reaction, Jen, you know, (laughs) coming from. And, And I realized that moments like that, usually the lie was I was believing deep subconsciously that their behavior is the validation for what kind of mother I was and their behavior was like rubbing my failures and my shortcomings in my face Mm -hmm. and antagonized that fear that I was not a good enough mom. And, and so that little subconscious dynamic was at work. And so I had to recognize and let go and realize, okay, Jen, they are literally learning by failure. That's how Mm -hmm. your kids will learn. They learn not to lie by lying and getting caught. (laughs) And realizing they shouldn't lie, you know, to behave at school by going to the principal's office and having detention, maybe, you know, like, and we can look at those moments where learning is supposed to be happening and turn it into a label for ourselves or an indictment Mm -hmm. for ourselves. Like I was not a good enough mom. And that's not fair. Like that's part of their journey. They have to go through those moments and it certainly does not define the kind of mom that we are. And so, but I love too, because as moms and nurturers and caretakers, we can sometimes, especially when we're very much caretakers can try to get into control or especially when they're little, we really do control mm-hmm. their lives, you know, <laughs> um, but as they get older, having to step back and relinquish control and realize like, I was never really in control of this from the beginning. You know, I had maybe more influence when they were little, as they get older, I have a little less influence, but I'm still an influence, you know, mm-hmm. and, and realizing too, I think in tandem with how we raise them is how we pray for them. Like, mm-hmm. I've just, I've, I feel like maybe it's because my kids are getting older and I'm realizing they're having to figure things out on their own in some regards that my prayers are so essential. And, mm-hmm. and I, I have just a real passionate conviction. I know how to go to heaven and I know how to hear from the Lord and I know how to move earth. You know, like yeah. when I pray, God moves and he does it pretty quick. And I'm really grateful <laughs> for that kind of prayer life. And it, it energizes me to the power of prayer and the responsibility to pray. Because a lot of moms, you know, we put all this pressure on how we raise them, but we forget that your greatest influence, because God's the one who brings the growth, you are still partnering with God through how you pray for your kids. And so um, it doesn't make you responsible, but it does give you some semblance of still a role to play as they get older. But anyways, I don't want to get off from that lie that we were covering, but okay. So what about this lie? I remember dealing with this when I was a younger mom. And we were in ministry and I have a call to ministry on my life, but I was buried in kids. Like they were back to back to back to back. And I remember just feeling like all I saw was toddlers all day, every day for like months. And my husband's off going on missions trips and hanging out with prophet Phil, where I was like, prophet Phil is supposed to be my mentor. I'm the one with the perfect call on my life, you know? And so I was like, I can't even get mentors. I'm so busy with kids, you know? So I remember praying and asking the Lord. Lord, my life is passing me by. I've got 20 kid, 20 years of raising kids. And by then I'll be past my prime, you know? And like, and I remember the Lord, which I don't want to get ahead of you, but I remember the Lord speaking to me. And he said, generally, he said, I'm the one who establishes. I'm the one who lifts up. And I'm the one, he said, he said, by you being faithful, you're building the platform 
that mm. you will build from in the future and the platform that you'll need to have influence you're building right now. And he said, I can turn things and give you influence in a day. He mm. said, but you need to be faithful with what I've given you. And, um, but, but that feeling of my life is passing me by was so heavy. So what did you see in scripture about that? Yeah. What you said, I just want to touch real fast on what you said. That's so powerful. There's a quote of Jonathan Edwards that has stood out to me ever since I first read it. And it's a total paraphrase, <laughs> but basically the gist of the quote is you have no business being an outside ministry outside your home. If you're neglecting the ministry God gave you in your family. Yeah. And it's like, Ooh, like that, <laughs> I first read that. I'm like, Oh, that really hurts. Um, but, but the principles, right. It's not to say that if you're a mom, you can't do outside ministry at all. I would never say that, but just that your, some of your closest disciples, as it were, your, your closest ones to fulfill the great commission with are those inside your home, yeah. you know, like they, they are given to you to be your little disciples, you know, like that's, that's what your goal is, is to raise them yeah. in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, like we talked about. And, you know, a passage in Ecclesiastes really was helpful for me because it talks about, you know, there's a time for this and there's a time for that. There's, there's a, a season for this, a season for that, a time for everything under the sun. And I really had to kind of sit in that because I, you know, I've told you before that I do have these great dreams and these great goals and things that I'd love to do and love to accomplish and, and all of that. But when we have a wrong view of what's important or what's fruitful or what's ministry or what's influential, then it's, it's again, very debilitating, <laughs> just like the other lies. Um, you know, a lot of moms will talk about, you know, finding meaning in the mundane and we'll throw away the, we'll throw around the word mundane quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the concept of finding meaning in the mundane is a great concept. It sounds really good. Mm-hmm. But what was interesting is as I was writing this book, the second lie in the book is that the lie that mothering is just unimportant work. Mm-hmm. And it goes along with the lie we're talking about now. And I looked up the actual definition of the word mundane. I'd never really done that. I figured, well, I know what it means, but I looked it up and it said, um, pertaining to this earthly world, as opposed to eternity mm-hmm. and dull, lacking in excitement. <clears throat> and it hit me. And I thought if, if this work of motherhood is mothering eternal souls, if that's what this is, it's not just about carpooling and, you know, baking cookies and all that. It's literally raising eternal souls. If that's what this is, it's not mundane. Yeah. It feels like it sometimes it absolutely feels like it sometimes hundred percent, but it's not because it is eternal. Mm-hmm. And so if you, if you realize it is eternal, well, even, yeah, it's not exciting all the time. That's true. But when you realize what you're working towards, mm-hmm. it begins to be a little bit more exciting because you realize the impact of what you're doing. And so I spent a lot of time in the book talking about how, you know, even things like cleaning the toilets, right. Or my least favorite cleaning the bathtub. I don't know why that's my least favorite. It just is, but, <laughs> what it is with that. but you know, even things like that, like I just was really for my own sake too, but in the book was talking about how, you know, even things like that are actually meaningful, not just because, yeah, we kind of need to have a clean bathroom, but providing that, that clean, that home, that, you know, that welcoming, hygienic, like hospitable place Mm -hmm. that provides us, not that we have to have perfect Pinterest homes, but that provides us with this opportunity to not only practice hospitality with guests that come in, which that's a whole other ministry that is truly impactful, but we are providing that for our kids too. And we're every little bit of the work that we do in the home then leads to the work we do outside the home. And it leads to the work our kids are going to do one day. Like it really is impactful. And, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to sometimes moms are told, oh, well, theology isn't for moms. Cause we think of theology as like this heady, like scholarly professor type content, right? And we're like, well, we're moms, whatever, but no, really <laughs> it's very relevant. It's very applicable because it's, it's, knowing the character of God helps with things like this. If you think your life is passing you by, then dial it back a little bit. Okay. If I believe that my life is passing me by, what do I believe about God? And what you might start to realize is you're believing that God's allowing your life to pass you by that. Maybe God's plans aren't all that good. Maybe he dropped the ball somewhere along the way. Maybe he's forgotten about you. Maybe the the woman you follow on Instagram, who's on that big platform tonight, God remembered her, but God's forgotten about you. So it seems like just, oh, 
my life's passed me Back by, <laughs> but yeah, but, but it really goes back to, well, what are you believing about God? What do you know about the character of God? Is he good? Is he good for you? Yeah. Is, does he only do good? You know, and those things that, that are absolutely theology, they become really, really relevant to those day-to-day struggles. Cause you realize, okay, if God's good, if he's sovereign, if he has a plan and it's a good plan, then it is impossible for my life in this season to, to be a waste. It's impossible that my actual life is passing me by because it's this life in this season, whatever this season looks like, mm-hmm. this is the life God has for me right now. And there has to be a reason and a purpose because our God has a reason and a purpose for everything. Yes. And that's, that's helped a lot. It, obviously, you know, it can still be difficult when you do kind of feel that way, but, but it's helpful to truly know the character of God and the heart of God for you. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. I love it. I'm like, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm like, ooh, that'd be a good soundbite <laughs> on Instagram. But the one about kids are a nuisance. I see that perpetuated in our entertainment. Um, you know, the just car commercials. You see a car commercial, and they don't paint children as a blessing from the Lord. They paint them as these chaotic little hellions. Yes. <laughs> That mindset perpetrates all of our mentalities because people are like, oh God, I don't want to have kids. There's just this thing that's created, been created in our minds, perpetrated or perpetuated, sorry, by our culture. That because I think we've all dealt with that lie. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I, like I said, growing up, I only ever wanted to be a mom, but I have absolutely heard words come out of my mouth you're interrupting me, you know, and you're, you need to not like, I, this is important. I need to focus on this. And granted there are tasks we have to get done. Absolutely. I'm not saying anything against that. That's true. But I also know when I'm inappropriate, right? I know when, when the task that I think they're interrupting me in really is not as important as pouring into them. (laughs) Like we can know the difference, I think. So I've absolutely struggled with it quite a bit over the years. And it was really impactful. First of all, obviously, like you said, you know, scripture makes it very clear that children are a blessing. They're a reward. It's interesting to me, Psalm 127, where that comes from, it then says happy is the one who has his quiver full of them. Mm-hmm. Happy, not, not overwhelmed and frustrated and annoyed and burdened and, you know, mistreated and all the things like, no, he's happy. They're happy. They know they're a blessing from God that that are going to go out there and further the kingdom. Like that's exciting. We're furthering the kingdom by having this child, you know, and there are other ways you can further the kingdom obviously as well. But, but just to say like children are truly a blessing. And so that was a very impactful um, passage for me. Also just studying the heart of Christ. Mm. I mean, it was convicting to me to study the times that you know, he would be in the middle of ministry, right? We want the, we want the public ministry. He's in the middle of public ministry and children would be brought to him and the disciples. I would be the disciples, right? The disciples you need, no, don't take them to him. He's busy. He's doing important work. Don't bother him. Move them over here. But Jesus rebuked the disciples. He rebuked my kind of attitude. Yeah. And said, no, let the little ones come to me. He would stop that impactful, important ministry that he was doing that truly was important. He would stop that and he would bring them onto his lap. He would, he would pat them on the back. He'd, you know, whatever it was that he did, he'd, he'd speak life into them. He'd encourage them. He'd listen to them. That's really powerful. He'd listen to them. He'd give them time. And I found too often that I was not reflecting the heart of Christ. I was reflecting the disciples. Mm-hmm. And that convicted me that the Lord never viewed them as a nuisance and an interruption. Now, you know, is it stretching? Is it sanctifying? Is it, is it hard to be quote interrupted? I mean, is it frustrating? All of those things, a hundred percent. But that doesn't mean that they're a nuisance. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they're actually an interruption from that most important, you know, stuff you're trying to do. Like it's all important work, yeah. but these kids are important too. They're eternal. Yeah. And that, that whole kind of that picture of their eternal souls, they're a blessing. Jesus responded to them this way, Mm. that it's convicting, like I said, but it also can, can help reorient your thinking and it can give you hope. I think too, because I have struggled. I'm a very to-do list oriented person. And if I get interrupted from some of those tasks, I can be really down on myself. I can be really frustrated. I can be angry. But if I take the time to take those thoughts captive and I remember the heart of Christ, I remember how the word presents children. Yeah. 
then I can rest in the fact that, you know what? Yeah, I'm not getting these tasks done right at this very moment. But two things. One, if they actually need to get done, God will give me the time for that. Yeah. He's sovereign over the time. He can expand the time if he wants to. I've seen him do it. Mm-hmm. He will give me time for that task. But also, if I am willing to, to put the pause on, on that task, if possible, you know, some things aren't. But if I can put the pause on that and I can pour into my children this moment instead, even though it feels a little less productive, even though it feels a little bit less like I'm actually accomplishing something, I can rest knowing that if this is what God has for me in this moment, Mm -hmm. he knows something I don't know. He has the big picture perspective. He knows that that little seed that I'm going to plant right now, when I might be really frustrated about it on the inside, Mm -hmm. he's going to use it and he has a plan for it. And it helps you to rest a little bit more. Yeah, that's so good, man. I love it. I know I'm thinking through all kinds of scenarios in my head where I definitely was like, oh my gosh, you guys are interrupting me. And yes. I, I did have to learn like, okay, in some regard, there is a place for boundaries and teaching right. courtesy, you know, and things like that. But I love what you're saying. And there was a passage that when the Lord is dealing with my heart about kids, because I had kids, three of my four were surprises and I had a life plan and they timing <laughs> did not fit my life plan. So I had to really repent of this attitude, especially with my first one of like, uh, you came out of nowhere. I didn't <laughs> ask for you. You're interrupting my life plan. Like, yeah. and that attitude messed with my parenting. It messed with even my nurturing. And I had to repent of that. And I had to deal with that. And even the Lord showed me the passage where it says that, um, uh, something about letting the kids come to me. And he said, because the, the, their angels are always before the throne of God, like children's angels are always before the throne of God. And so he was talking about the importance of children to the heart of God. And I was like, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to have the heart of God, holy crap, I need to change my attitude, you know? And so Man, I appreciate everything that you just said. But that was that was so good. I love how you tackled the kids as a, kids are a nuisance because that is just a common belief and it's a commonly felt emotion, I think, when especially for those of us who are more task oriented, yeah. trying to get something done, you know, or whatever, it can be uh, that can be a hurdle. So let's let's take that one into and there were some other ones I wanted to dive into, but they're just going to have to buy your book because <laughs> there's too many. Um, but I love this last one. Good moms do X, Y, Z. So explain that one. What does that one dive into? Yeah. So this concept of the mommy wars, whether we put the phrase on it or not, I think most of us are probably familiar with the problem. You know, this idea that good moms do X, Y, Z, like good moms breastfeed, good moms formula feed, good moms homeschool, good moms public school. You know, like there's one right method for everything from feeding to education, to discipline, to what clothes they wear. I mean, just everything. People have come up with rules for all of it. Um, You know, and I, (laughs) my struggle, one of them is since I was a little girl, no joke, um, have battled this know-it-all mentality. Like there is this story that goes throughout my family that (laughs) when I was five years old, um, I would enter myself into any conversation going on with the adults around me. And I, but, oh yes, that's correct. Yep. That's right. As if my five-year-old self knew anything about what they were talking about, but that's, that's the way I was and (laughs) mix that with becoming a mom. And it's a really ugly combination. Um, (laughs) and I really, God's been gracious and, and he's done a work and, I pray he continues it. I know he will, but, but I struggled a lot, especially in the early years with, well, because I had my daughter at home, like that's the way you do it. Mm-hmm. Now I will tell you, God in his grace, uh, made it to where my son, my second was not able to be born at home. I had to have him in the hospital. And I learned a lot from that with just realizing like, just because I thought I knew, oh, this is the right way to do that. Or this is the right way to do this that's not the case. (laughs) You know, every child is different. Every mom is different. Family dynamics are different. And so I think we do ourselves a lot of harm when we take these man-made ideas and these man-made expectations and rules about what, what's right, what a good mom does. And we raise them up to the level of scripture and we make it to where, oh, well, a Christian, I've literally had a friend be told by somebody else. Well, you know, you can't be a Christian and vaccinate your kids. Like that is showing us, we don't understand the gospel friends. If that is making you not a Christian, we have completely misunderstood the gospel a hundred percent. And so I'm very passionate about this topic because I see this kind of 
uh, presentation everywhere. Oh, well, Christian moms better not do this when this right here is nowhere in scripture. There are so many more rules and regulations and expectations on moms from the culture, yeah. from the church, even from people than the Lord ever placed on them. It's true. And we just get so burdened when we listen to a person over and above the Lord. You know, when we, when we fail to realize he cares so deeply about us and our kids that he's not going to leave us hanging. And certainly, you know, he may lead us in the direction of, of learning from a podcast or from a book or from a doctor or whatever it is. Certainly a hundred percent, he can do that. And he does do that. But a passage of scripture that has been a real comfort to me, you know, in those times where I'm like, oh, what do I do? This person's telling me this is the right way. This person's telling me this is the right way. I just want to be a good mom. <laughs> you know, <laughs> James one five has been so helpful because he's James says, you know, if anyone is lacking wisdom, let him ask of God who generously and without reproach loves to give that wisdom to his kids. Like that part was my paraphrase, but he, he loves to do that. And he delights in it. He's not down up there saying, look, okay, you can't figure out this thing to do about your child. Like you really should be smarter by now. No, he's so tender. He's such a good father. He comes alongside us, gives us the wisdom that we need. And it's so freeing when you realize that you have access to that actual expert on your kids because he created them, <laughs> you know, and you, when you have that access, it gives you so much more peace to realize, first of all, I don't have to be confused about what to do anymore because he'll help me. He'll give me the answer. He'll point me in the right direction, but also it doesn't matter what someone else says or what someone else thinks. If I know that the Lord has told me to do this method on whatever it is. Yeah. guess what? You're in the best possible place you could ever be. Your kids are in the best possible place they could ever be. And it might be hard to kind of like fend off those negative feelings when others are not exactly approving of your choice, but you can rest knowing that I, I was faithful to what the Lord led me to do. The yeah. Lord spoke to me. He may not have spoken to them. Maybe that's why it doesn't make sense to them, but he spoke to me on this. And I can know that a good mom is all about looking to the Lord, right? A good, and I hate the phrase good mom because, you know, it just, it's kind of <laughs> not always the best uh, phrase to use. Um, but it's all about following in the Lord's footsteps. It's walking by the spirit. It's, it's following what he actually gave us to do. Like we talked about, you know, sharing the word, training them up. It's about those things, which if you think about that, the things that we've already talked about of what a mom is supposed to do, we've listed what three things, you know, train them up in the way they should go, raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's it. And the way that looks, there's not even a prescribed 10 step program for how to do that. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, like he, he provides us with so much freedom, so much personal direction, and we're willing to go to him for it. That is better than what anybody else could say or think. Even the most helpful people, they don't know our kids like he does. And so I just find that we have so much more freedom when we look to the word and not to the standards of man that have been raised up yeah. to the level of scripture. Yeah. Because boy, otherwise you, you can never meet all the expectations. You, you can never do everything right in the eyes of, of people. <laughs> it's true. Well, and I think too, you hit an important point too, where the Bible talks about how the traditions of man make null and void the word of God. And, and it's talking about how we process the word of God, you know, is that if a tradition of man is so stuck in our head that we actually can't even hear what the word is saying, then that tradition doesn't serve us. The traditions are meant to serve us. They're meant to expand life and make it fuller and enhance it. Just like books, podcasts, teachings, coaches are meant to help us and serve us, not become a grid work of rules and regulations that we have to then try to match up to. You know, like the Proverbs 31 woman, I like, I like a love-hate relationship with that. Right. Cause I'm like, I'm like, okay, we all want to be like that, but none of us are really that awesome. So right. just throw that one out. <laughs> not really, but, um, but it's true. And, and I love what you said and how you brought it to a good mom, or even maybe, maybe we can say a healthy mom or, um, or a mom that's going to fulfill her destiny is a mom who goes to the Lord as her source, like yes. period, like that is going to be, cause I had, we had home births also. We ha I had all four of them at home oh. and felt like the Lord instructed us to do that. Yeah. But I remember there was lots of points where 
I had a friend who had home births and they felt like it was a spiritual, more spiritually appropriate to have your kids at home. And they taught it like it was a gospel. And I was like, when I asked the Lord about it, I just felt like the Lord was like, people need to do what the spirit of God says to them. You know, like we just need to be led by the spirit. And, And he had spoken to me that if you take the route of the flesh, you have the reward of the flesh. If you take Mm. the route of the spirit, Mm. you have the reward of the spirit, period. And so it doesn't matter what area of life it is. If we're just going according to the flesh, which can be traditions of man or the the Pinterest mom and all her ideas or the Instagram mom and how great her house always pretends to look, you know, all those things. (laughs) That's the route of the flesh and the reward of the flesh is death, you know, but the reward of the spirit is life. And so by training ourselves to go to the Lord, And I just love that because it gives us the freedom to creatively live from the unique way God made us, you know, God doesn't want us to all look the same. Like I remember when I went to Bible college, when you first showed up that at the, at, for the school year, everybody had kind of like this culturalized, they all looked the same. Everyone kind of acted the same. Everyone felt kind of the same, you know, but like in a generic unnatural kind of way. But mm-hmm. as the year went on and we all deepened our relationship with the Lord and kind of unfolded into who we were, all this uniqueness like came to the surface mm-hmm. and all these people began to emerge into really unique and fun personalities. And I think part of us knowing that we're walking with the Lord is that our uniqueness is allowed to emerge because God finds joy in that. Like mm-hmm. I love watching my kids and just observing them and like savoring how unique and special they are, you know, that literally gives me joy. Why would the Lord not be the same way? And so I don't want my son, Benjamin to feel like he has to be like Judah. He's different on purpose, you know, and I don't want, you know, I don't want you as a mom to feel like you've got to be like me or, and I don't think the Lord does either, you know? And so this whole good moms do X, Y, Z, like you're so eloquently have explained is that it can really undermine and take away the joy and the life of motherhood, because that's not how God designed it to work. And so that's true. I just love that. Okay. So we're going to go into life hacks. You guys, Miss Rebecca has a great little life hack. It's actually really fun. Um, and it could make your day a little bit more enjoyable and potentially difficult situations a little bit easier. So don't go anywhere. We're going to go into life hacks right now. And then we're going to give you a chance to follow up with Rebecca yourself. Hold on. Okay. So Rebecca, give us this life hack. You shared it with me earlier and uh, let's hear the goodness here. Yes. So I want to give credit where credit is due. Um, (laughs) For anyone who's familiar, um, this came from Sally Clarkson, who has mentored me very much um, through her content about motherhood. But she made the point that, you know, when you're raising kids and you either they're little or they're old, this applies whatever age, and you just need to have what might be a difficult conversation or you just want to have a conversation, (laughs) any conversation, uh, whatever it is, a conversation needs to be had, or you want a conversation to be had. One thing that she has found super helpful is to just add food to the mix. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you can make cookies with your kids and and sit down and and have this plate of cookies and, and chat over that. You can buy cookies at the store, whatever the food is. What I found is that when you do add food to the mix, and you just, you make it exciting. We have this treat, you know, let's sit and chat as we enjoy this treat. It takes the pressure off. It, it kind of calms everybody down. If you have a very um, active little guy, like I do, who's five and he wants to be everywhere all the time, you know, just doing everything. Um, he can kind of, you know, sit down and focus a little bit better if there's food, <laughs> you know? So I just find that like, if you want to have those conversations, it's so helpful to just throw a little bit of some snack of some sort in the mix. And it really does help to lead to some fruitful conversations. That's so smart. I was, I was telling her when she explained, I was telling Rebecca, when she explained this earlier that I was like, Oh, I can go nerd on you right now and explain why that works. And so <laughs> I'll tell you guys as well. Cause I just think it's fascinating. So when you share food with somebody, you share a meal with them, it causes an oxytocin release in the brain, which oxytocin is the hormone. Um, you actually release, you experience oxytocin when you're breastfeeding or when you hug someone, or when you say, I love you, it creates a bonded experience with that person and feelings of like connectedness. And so when you share food with someone, 
your brain says, hey, we're connecting. This is a good moment. And then if you are the one who made the food, you actually get a higher release of oxytocin, which is kind of cool how God rewards us for serving, right? Yes. Um, and so and, and so I love it. So I think it, it, it naturally brings the defenses down and opens their hearts up in a like a totally subliminal subconscious way that God just built us for. And I think it's so great when he builds those life hacks in. Yes, <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> our nature. And so that's amazing. That's such a great life hack. Listen, when the kids were little, I don't know if you've ever done this. Maybe you have. And I would have to go get groceries. And I had like a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old, right? And so I would go during lunchtime and we'd go to Walmart and I would get one of those cups of popcorn chicken and oh, yeah. in the cart and I would hand out popcorn chicken so they'd be busy eating while That's I was getting groceries. Brilliant. Oh my God. That is so smart. <laughs> it saved me. So, cause if I fed them ahead of time thinking, oh, then they won't be cranky. Well, then they were just energetic and, and distracted. And then they yes. wanted to go and do everything. And I was like, whoa, that's not, <laughs> you know, so like feeding them while shopping was a really great. That's thing. so smart. Yeah. Yes. So, okay. So thank you so much, Rebecca, for coming on my show today and sharing all of your knowledge. Listen, you guys, go get Rebecca's book. It is called Lies Moms Believe and How the Gospel Refutes Them. I'm guessing it's available on Amazon. It is, yes. Okay, and then the uh, if you wanna dig deeper and take this into your quiet time and really let the Lord maybe revolutionize your heart like he did Rebecca's as she was studying into the word about it, get the companion Bible study that goes with the book or maybe do one or the other or do both or however you wanna do it. Um, and then don't forget, you guys go check out Rebecca on Instagram at Rebecca Hargraves. That's with a K and two H's, R-E-B-E-K-A-H-H-A-R-G-R-A-V-E-S, as if anyone's going to memorize that. And uh, <laughs> look in the show notes. I put it down there. And, um, and then go check out her podcast also. It's called the Home and Hearth Podcast. And so you can continue to glean from Rebecca's wisdom. Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Oh, well, I did too. And I know my listeners are just going to be better for it. So you guys, listen, if you haven't checked out the merch store, go check out javawithjenmerch.com. Next week is my 100th episode. I'll be doing a giveaway. So make sure you're checking out things on Instagram. I'll be putting updates on Instagram about the giveaway. I'm going to give away $100 worth of merch and Java with Jen coffee. So you're going to want to get in on that giveaway to celebrate 100 episodes at the Java with Jen podcast. And until next time, you guys, We'll see you next week. And I love you. Have a good week, y'all. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say hey. It's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Until next time, remember, you will fulfill your greatest destiny one day at a time.